Hello and welcome to the final one of our Ask It Daily previews here at In The Money Media for At The Races. Reminder, you can bet, ask it wherever your uh, ADW of choice is, though we're going to tout one in particular because of today's guest who's been working very hard here. This meet, as he does every year, you're familiar from the fantastic work he does at FanDuel TV and particularly at Keeneland, I'll say. He is Scott Hazelton. Scott, how's your week going? It's going well. There's been a little bit of everything, but that's the beauty of Burlaskett. You always get great stories, outcomes, unexpected outcomes like we had uh, on Thursday with that giant price horse to kick things <laughs> off, $240 payoff uh, on TVG.com, TVG app. And so it's just been it's been great having a royal winner. Uh, the Americans, obviously, we got the win. Yes. Right? We got the win. Critically. So, uh, with uh, George Weber and that group coming over. Uh, with Crimson Advocate, but uh, the Wesley uh, horse is underperforming this year. So, uh, but hey, it's horse racing. I mean, I, I, it's amazing the amount of people. What's what's going on with Wesley? What's going on right, with Wesley? Right. I see, you, you do realize this is horse racing, right? <laughs> this is there's no magic bullet. There's no silver bullet in this. You you lose more often than you win. But he set the bar so high for himself coming over to Royal Ascot is part of it. And I mean, it's only been two years. Cheers to you all. It's been it's only been what two years since he he won an yes. Ascot race, a Royal Ascot win with Campanelli. Yeah. So it's not like he's in the midst of this, you know, five ten year drought. So I mean, he'll he'll regroup, he'll re rack him, and uh, be back again next year. We know that. But uh, cheers to, to to George Weaver. And I think you know he's one of those guys we, we focus so much on on Wesley Ward with the two year olds. Looking up his numbers this year. Nuts. A ridiculous year yeah. with the two-year-olds mm-hmm. uh, between New York or mainly New York. So, you know, hopefully he can continue this. And I think that he will. Uh, I think that we've got to really start to focus our attention on him and, and, and you know, uh, put the mic in front of him and, and figure on horses that will be coming this way, hopefully in 2024. He's underrated. Um, you know, I remember looking years ago, just the tremendous mark he had at a place like Saratoga developing um, even to being a better two-year-old trainer. People are going to take notice. And for me, another shout-out I'll give while we're talking about the story, the black-type thoroughbreds team, the success they've had with these private purchases. I'm just, it's, I don't, I, you know, again, it's, it's hard to say what's the magic bullet. Some of this, and I'm sure they'd even tell you, some of it is it's horse racing. You got to get a little bit lucky. But it's just been an amazing run they've been on trying to buy horses and, and running them in the biggest races around the world and getting to, them to see that type of uh, international success was great fun for me. But we're here to talk about Saturday. Let's do it. We'll, we'll move forward and we'll start off with a 9.30 Eastern, the Chesham Stakes. Who do we like in here? Well, two-year-olds going seven furlongs. Obviously, this is a far cry from the five furlongs, six furlongs. So you've got to look at pedigrees um, that can get the distance. And, and in this situation, uh, you've always got Aiden O'Brien. He's going to have uh, something that you got to focus in on. He's got a couple of horses in here, uh, Pearls and Rubies. Aiden O'Brien uh, is the, is probably going to be one of the favorites off of that win, the No Name Ever runner. But uh, No Name Ever, as good of a stallion as he is, I think oftentimes you got to look at him as more of a sprinting stallion. I went to Golden Mine, the number three horse for Richard Fahey. The two runs under uh, his belt, he, he progressed to a win at Leicester in his most recent start to over good ground off the soft ground, and uh, he broke better in his second career start. So I've got Golden Mine. Uh, with Oshin Orr in the saddle for Sheikh Rashid Dalmuk Al Maktoum, Maktoum family represented there. Galileo Goldie's got the pedigree to be a progressive type, one to move forward. So uh, I've got the number three runner from an outside post to draw post 15 near side, Golden Mind in the Cheshire. 
and you make such a good point about the seven furlongs, right? Seven furlongs, we think we still think sprint, sprint or extended right? sprint. Yeah. Here, I'd say seven furlongs plays almost like, think of it as a mile and an eighth right. in terms of the kind of racing that we're used to. And that's where those pedigrees become so important. Let's uh, move on to the second race of the day. We stay at seven furlongs for the Jersey Sticks. Yeah, same, same distance as you mentioned, three-year-olds uh, in this group three race. And there's going to be a pretty hot favorite, I think, in this race, in this big field. And and that is the Judmont uh, connected runner uh, colt by Frankel for John and Thady Gosden and Frankie Dettori uh, Kobe, the number five horse, draws post 11. He's he's only lost once. That was not his debut. Um, he was four to one that day. John and Thady Gosden, they tend to develop their horses, especially John, old school mentality, yep. give him that run. And then he's obviously taken a big leap forward in those starts. He just ran a mile. He's gone seven eighths uh, those three times. He's run over soft ground. He's run over. Uh, good ground at Haydock. I think he'll be awful tough with Frankie on this final day uh, in the Jersey Stakes as he rounds out uh, a storied Royal Ascot uh, career. And and a quote by Frankel. Frankel has been another story that needs to be mentioned in the same breath with everything else yeah. that we will discuss. The success that he's had and, you know, producing uh, all types. I mean, <laughs> a Queen Anne winner and an Ascot Gold Cup winner. Yep, that's uh, impressive. <laughs> and a Queen Anne exacta, exacta as well. There you go. Did I tell you now, listeners are going to get so sick of this over the course of the rest of my career as I point this out. Because it may be the first line of my obituary. Peter Thomas Fornatal once fed Frankel a carrot, which I got to do at uh, Banstead the other you day. You and I. <laughs> I did it. You're in the club. I am. About three years ago, we went up there. It, and I was, I honestly, Peter was in awe of that horse. I, oh. there are, I, I can't think of getting a chance to be around a horse and just feel the presence. And he was such a kind horse, yeah, too. He yeah, really he was. Yeah, he doesn't have those, you know, you see some of them distracted, studdish, yeah. whatever. He was, he was like, I mean, he's gorgeous, but he did not give off, he gave off very, like, he's approachable. You yes. know, he, he wasn't afraid of getting, you know, I remember meeting Dynaformer back in the day, and it was like, stay five feet away. Right. <laughs> but no, there was something about that. And, and, and I think maybe for me, when I went up there to visit Frankel in Newmarket, um, I did a lot of research and just wanted to revisit everything that he did. And I think until you really deep dive, deep dive into careers like that, that you get the full scope. We talk about Frankel and the greatness of Frankel, but you watch back his races and what oh. he did and some of the circumstances that he overcame, yep. especially in his final start here at Ascot. Yep. Um, it, it's just, there's something about him. And, and I mean, he's, I think it's safe to say, you know, with Galileo's passing and, and the year that he's having, he's he's now the number he's, one guy. Exactly. It's very exciting uh, to see these babies on the track here and elsewhere. And I still wonder, I mean, we haven't seen them. We talked before about Curlin and Turf and how few have tried. I wonder if the, if the Frankels could potentially be able to dirt. I've always thought that with the fast ground nature of his running, I, I, I would love to see some folks take a chance in, in doing that and bringing some horses to America by Frankel. Be fascinating. And I think it will happen at some stage. Let's talk about the third race on Saturday. It's the Queen Elizabeth II Jubilee Stakes. And we've got a great, great race on paper here. Highfield Princess coming back. We've got U.S. participation with a horse we've talked about uh, a lot over the uh, over the last couple of years in Big Invasion, making uh, the return to the races. Who do you think is going to win the race? Well, the Big Invasion angle is interesting coming back this quick and quick in two weeks for, for Christophe Clement and uh, Dean Reeves, Reeves Thurman Racing. He's obviously been very consistent over the course of his career. He started off um, with that win streak after breaking his maiden 
and obviously has just progressed up. And his his two win or two losses, I should say, this year, both at the hands of Larry Ravelli trained runners in the Franklin Simpson at Kentucky Downs, um, which can be so tricky, and then in the turf sprint at Churchill when no balls just blitz them from that inside draw, and he's come back with a good run behind Caravel, who is in the discussion, I think, and has to be a, a, one of the best turf sprinters that we have. But um, I, I go towards, I feel, Princess coming back a second time this year. She ran a good race behind Bradsell, and uh, that was in the King stand. Back out to six furlongs. Um, listening to Nick Luck talk about this mare and referring to her form, um, she does well when asked to run frequently. She won a couple of group ones in a matter of, 12 days back in, in August of last year and between France and here in the Nunthorpe at York. So coming back quick, she thrives on racing. Highfield Princess, to me, has to be respected. She's got a near side draw, which I don't think will hurt either, post 16 for the number 14 Highfield Princess. Oh, yeah, I, I love that would be a great story. I'm such a big Invasion fan, um, but and I'll probably mess around with both of them, but Highfield Princess, I, I would love to clap her in. One of the great traditions here at, at Ascot as well. The Hardwick Stakes is up next, race number four on the Saturday card. And we've got a, a fairly strong favorite in the in the betting in terms of uh, Hook'em with a free win not too far behind, looking at sort of a 7-4, to 11-4 to four kind of thing in terms of the international odds. Do you like the winner from that uh, duo at the top of the market? Are you going to reach for something at more yeah, of a price? No, staying at the top of the market, I mean, Hook'em has – uh, they've spotted him well. They have found the right spots uh, with this this brother to to the great Baid for Shadwell. So um, I I think that you've got to just think that he's going to continue uh, this year that he's had a couple of years that he's had. His only hiccup was last year in the Shima Classic. Um, when you go back to that run, and he was only beaten a length and a half in the end, but he's come on with a win at uh, Epsom thereafter, and then his comeback race in the Brigadier Girard behind in front of Desert Crown who would have been one of the favorites earlier in the week if things would have gone well or if he would have been able to get to the race for Sir Michael Stout. So um, he'll be a short price favorite. You've got to respect him. Free win's going to take some action because it's Frankie in these final few rides at Ascot. Uh, Pile driver's an interesting one to me off the 11-month layoff coming back here. He's a Group 1 winner um, of the King George, so um, that was back in July. But, you know, does, is he going to need a race? as he bounces back uh, to racing here today. so But I, I can't get past Huckham in the Hardwick Stakes, race number four. We'll move on to the fifth. This is the Wokingham Stakes, and this is the kind of race we really need help with. I'll ask you a general question and then a specific question. We're dealing with a 31-runner handicap. What's your general approach just as a better in these spots of the Americans playing along on uh, FanDuel TVG? And who specifically do you like in here? Well... You've got to keep an eye on the weights because there can be such a drastic swing in the weights uh, from top to bottom. The one nice thing that they do in these handicaps with the saddle cloths is number one, it's the high weight. Yes. Bottom number is the low weight. So that's the easiest way or it's the most straightforward way of keeping track of it. So you've got 138 pounds on the number one horse and then you go down to the bottom of the handicapping uh, and you'll see 123 pounds. So that's 15 pounds in difference. And uh, so often we saw it with Haley Turner yesterday. She's done well in these hair, these types of yep. handicap races through the year. Safi Osborne rides the low weight there, hierarchy, who's going to be a price. So you've got to keep that in mind and look at horses that, what's the phrase, uh, a pound in hand or rating in hand or something along yep. those lines where trainers are, you know, they're setting them up for big performances coming in without, you know, maybe being rated as high as they possibly uh, could be, getting them to peak at the right time. So you've got to, I think, look at, at where they're at in the ratings, look at their form, 
and try to project, you know, who's being set up for that peak race in a race like this, the Wokingham Stakes. So uh, Apollo 1, the number 20, is where I ended up uh, with Richard Kingskid. He was eighth in the Wokingham last year uh, behind Rohan. He, he actually made the lead for a brief moment, and they were able to kick away from him. But I think that his two races this season are certainly encouraging um, coming into this spot. Kingskit rode him last time out uh, at Epsom uh, back during Derby weekend. So he's 15 to 1 on the morning line, Apollo 1, the 20. Um, always a challenging handicap endeavor, these handicaps, especially in the straight course because they can run so many of them. Yep. And you get, if you're, if you're right, you get rewarded. And right. 14 to 1 in the, in the international betting right now, chance you'll get all of that 15 to 1 in this spot with some stories that are going to attract money elsewhere. Race number six is the Golden Gates stakes, not to be confused with Golden Gate, uh, which will come right to mind. We've got 19 declared to run here, three-year-olds once again, and uh, another pretty clear split between a couple at the top of the market and some longer prices as we go down the way. Where are you going to land? Uh, last year, a son of Quality Road won this race. Quality Road, one of the best stallions we have in in North America, stands at Lane's End Farm. His name missed the cut. Uh, missed the cut, in case you missed it, just ran second last weekend at Santa Anita in his first start stateside as he's begun a dirt campaign for the summer for John Sadler and the connections that had him when he was over here when he won the Golden Gate Stakes, as well as uh, Lane's End Farm. That was the motivation for them to, to buy into him Pretty cool. and take him out to the West Coast. So yeah. keep an eye on, on Miss the Cut, who won this race last year. And Canute, the number six, here's another son of Quality Road. Coolmore willing to take one of their nice Galileo mares uh, over to the Farish family's Lane's End Farm and breed to Quality Road. And a colt that has progressed over the course of his recent races, run well in these mile and a quarter races, I know he's the favorite. Uh, I'm biased to Quality Road, the Lane's End operation that they have, but I think Canute's going to be uh, very good in this situation over the fast ground too. I mean, that, you, yep. know, you think of American breeding, you think of fast ground uh, scenarios. So we'll see if uh, Canute can give Quality Road that double in back-to-back -back years at Royal Ascot. It's a really interesting breeding angle, all those Galileo mares, and what what the most successful cross is going to be. Seeing Coolmore make those giant investments in uh, in Justify and American Pharaoh, and of course uh, the Japanese angle as Deep well. Impact, yeah. Yep. So it, it, it's going to be very interesting to see what proves to be the most successful, and it's great that to see Quality Road in that mix. We'll see how Canute gets on. And then we'll go to the final race of the day, the final race of the meeting, the ultimate get-out stakes, the uh, Queen Alexandra. Just 10, just the 10 here, you know, tiny field for these guys. Who's going to get the job done? And they use every bit of the course, the straight course and the round course, two and three-quarter miles for the Queen Alexandra stakes. And uh, Stratum, the number one horse, he'll be the pretty hot favorite, I think, come yep. close time. He's looking for his third win in a row as Stratum in this event. Uh, William Buick. Uh, rode him last year to the win Ryan Moore back in 2021. It's Willie Mullins, who is the man when it comes to these long-distance races. Uh, Varbon earlier Vauban, in the week. Vauban, yep. it was just sensational with his victory. One of the most impressive performances, I think, that we've seen this week, all things considered. But I'm going to take a shot against that that 10-year-old. I'll go to typewriter on the outside uh, for Oshin Murphy and Andrew Balding and Miss Fitry Hay. Uh, Glenn Eagles, uh, Philly, uh, she's going to... Uh, take an advantage of, of a five-pound swing to the one next to her as far as uh, the weights are concerned. So she gets a bit of a weight break. She comes into this race off of a few fourths against the shorter distance uh, type companies and, and even group companies. So I think the step up and trip for her um, 
will be a positive. I think that she'll sit a little bit closer, hopefully with a slower pace, as you would anticipate in a two and three quarter mile race. So uh, typewriter, post five, Oshin Murphy, Andrew Bolding, hopefully getting this out. Getting us a few quid to spend the duty free over at Heathrow before we head back to LA. Speak for yourself. I'm sticking around for baseball on Sunday. Oh, Cubs, Cubs Cardinals at the man. Olympic State. I'm sticking around on Sunday, but I couldn't get anybody to go with me. So I'm, I'm hanging out with a dear friend, Rishi Prasad, oh. uh, who works with the ITV coverage, works with us over uh, stateside for our breakfast shows and the Breeders' Cup uh, when it comes to FanDuel TV and then heading out Monday and then off to Ellis Park. Nice. Be heading to Ellis. I go home for a few days. Stephen Foster. Stephen Foster. Yeah, Very big cool. weekend there out at Ellis. So awesome. can't wait to be we, part of that. You know, no good deed goes unpunished around here. I may make you come on and talk about that. Uh, talk about that night with us as well. Let's do it. You catch me the right time. I got some traveling coming up, but yeah, hit me excellent, up. We'll excellent. Chat. All right, buddy. Really appreciate it, Scott. We appreciate all the work that you do here and on TV. Thanks to everybody out there for uh, really supporting all this Ask It content, both here and on the InTheMoneyPlus.com side, or excuse me, in the money. <laughs> I can't even do my own. This is what happens on Friday of Ask It. This one I'm going to leave in. InTheMoneyPodcast.com slash plus side of things. A lot more there if you're interested. Thanks also once again to our sponsors from uh, At The Races. Watch all the great coverage on uh, FanDuel, uh, FanDuel TV, TVG. And uh, that's it. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatel. May you win all your photos.